Wasn't that a great story that we just saw? I tell you what, I'm grateful. You know, we're beginning, if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn to John chapter 9, and we're beginning a four-week challenge to share the gospel, to connect with people in our lives, with people in our community. And, 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 you know, a lot of times when you start, when a pastor starts a series like this, people get nervous. They're like, oh, man, I'm going to feel guilty about sharing my faith all the time. i got to get up and stand on my table at my work and preach to everybody at the lunchroom or, or something like that. And, that's, and, and I want us to see something very important. Sharing your faith in Christ is as simple as sharing your story. And I I want you to understand today that your story matters. Last week we wrapped up the study of 1 Samuel, and and this week, the next four weeks, we're going to turn our attention to the life of Christ and some stories in the early church, and we're going to look uh, at how the Scripture moves us and leads us to share our faith. And it's my prayer that we can become stronger witnesses for Christ. Because let me tell you something, we live in a world where a majority of people don't know Christ. Even in in spite of the fact that in Owasso, Oklahoma, there are 66 churches in the city limits of Owasso, 66, we still live in a world where a majority of people don't know Jesus. James Lankford, uh, one of our uh, men running for Congress, I I, I got to spend some time with him this week. He was in Owasso, and, and he made this statement as people talked about our election this week that, oh, no, what, what's going on? He said, I want to remind you that the, that the people that we're voting for are a reflection of who we put there. Yikes, ouch, that hurts a little bit, but that's true. And the reality is we live in a world where a majority of people don't know Christ. And God has called us to this time, to this place, to be witnesses for Christ. And it's important that you and I become a stronger witness for Jesus. Now, some of you are here because a person invited you, and, and they are a strong witness. They represent Christ well, and you're like, okay, I need what they have so that you've come. And, 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 and I'm so glad you're here because I want you to understand that, the, that for every person that's ever been born, their greatest need is a relationship with Jesus. That's the greatest need that we have in our world. And, and when the, regardless of the election this week, we don't have to fear because we serve the Lord and God has called us to this time, this place. And I'm telling you, we've got to become stronger witnesses for Jesus. Now, if you have your Bibles, John 9, I want you to turn there. Now, hopefully you saw in the foyer uh, some of the opportunities that, that we are working as a church to connect with people. We, we are. We, we work hard at connecting with people. And we describe it like this. We connect with people here. Because God has planted us in Owasso, Oklahoma, so we look at injecting ourselves in the school system, in the, in the political environment of our culture, in our city government, in our, in our chamber of commerce. Our church is a part of the chamber of commerce, and we are striving to inject ourselves in businesses. We, we have these mission shirts on today because we are highlighting the mission that we are working to build over on Garnett. And, and it's our goal as a church that we notice the needs around us. 
We don't want to just um, ignore the, where we have been planted. So we're building a mission that is this incredible place of ministry uh, to people that have needs in our community. Yesterday, we had our car care clinic where, where we help single moms and, and, and widows who are, need their car worked on, and we had men working on their cars. I love this church. Because we pay attention to ministry here. You'll see out in the foyer, we say uh, we're called the minister there. Here, there, we go all over the nation. And we just had a group of ladies that went and helped at a Beth Moore conference to Native Americans. And they, they were the counseling at this conference. And it was phenomenal. And we go all over the U.S. sharing the gospel because we are called to this nation. We're called to make a difference in this country. And we're striving to do that. We, we go everywhere. Out in the foyer, you'll see mission opportunities. And I want you to know, some of you need to go on a mission trip. And, and, and I hear people say all the time, well, I don't go on mission trips. I'll just send money. Aren't you glad God didn't say to mankind, boy, they need, they need to be saved. I'll send a check. <laughs> he didn't do that. He came himself and served and went to the cross. See, we're called to go to missions. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't give to missions because we give to missions. But let me tell you something. Some of us have used that as an excuse, and we know we should go. You have an opportunity to go. We go here, there, and everywhere. Now, um, John 9 is this incredible moment in the life of this guy that God moved in his, God did something supernatural in him. Now, the context of the book of John is important because you know, every, every gospel, John is one of the four gospels, and every gospel was kind of written for a specific purpose. John's gospel was written for the purpose. Um, he wanted people to, to know that Jesus was the eternal, the incarnate God, which means that he was God in the flesh. That, that when Jesus walked around the earth, he was God in the flesh. God that walked around and saw us and touched and, and lived life like we do and had struggles like we do. And, and Jesus encounters this man in John chapter 9, and it's a, an incredible story. So would you stand with me? We're going to read together verses 1 through 7. But I want you to stay here because we're going to walk through this chapter because it's just such a cool story. John chapter 9 says this, verse 1. As he passed by, Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, it was not this man, uh, it was not this man who sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Verse 4, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. And this is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Now, now, now what, a, what an amazing story. I mean, Jesus is just going about his business. He comes upon this man that was born blind. And he's blind from birth. And, and, he, and the scripture says, we just read, that, that the disciples asked this normal question, and we can relate to this question. He's like, well, Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents? 
Because often we look at when bad things happen, we think, well, who sinned? Why did this happen? That's what they're asking. God, Jesus, why did this happen? That's a normal question when, when pain comes to us. And we've all been there. We've all gone through tragedy, and I've gone through tragedy, and, and, and there are things that have happened in my life that, that I've just thought, Lord, I don't know what you're doing. I don't understand. Why did this happen? And, and there have been many moments I've had like that in my own life. And, and that's a normal question. In verse 3, Jesus answers, he said, look, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Now, this, this is a cool point because do you know that God has purpose in your pain? I mean, Kelly just shared her story about her pain and, and some of the ways that God moved in her life. And, and for all of us, when we go through difficulties, when we go through pain, this is the amazing thing about following Christ that Romans 8, 28 says, that God works all things for the good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Maybe some of you have come today because you're struggling through an issue and you don't know what to do and you've come to see if God has something to say to you. That's why after 9-11, the churches were filled. Did you know that? Sunday after 9-11, churches were packed. Because people were coming going, okay, why? Now, I, I commend you for coming today if that's why you came. Because God always has something to say in the midst of our pain. And what I'm, what's amazing about serving the Lord, and I've seen this in my life, that, that uh, the miracle of following Jesus is not that I've been exempt from pain, difficulty, question, and tragedy. Because if you know my life, if you know the story of my ministry, it's, it's filled with difficult, painful moments that God could have protected me from. But you know what God did? He walked me through them. And through that journey, I've come to understand that God is real, he's present, he is faithful. And look at verse 3, it says, it says, this thing happened to this young man so that the works of God might be displayed. And if you ever thought about the fact that the work, the pain that you've experienced is something that, that God is using to display his works in front of an unbelieving world. Look at verse 4, because, and this is, I, I, I am just, this winds my watch. I mean, I just can't get away from this, verse 4. Jesus looks at his disciples, and, he's, and, and I can imagine him going, as they come to him and say, Jesus, why, why did this happen? And he goes, fellas, catch this, come here. Look, we must work the works of him who sent me while, is it, while it is still day. Now, now, I don't want you to miss this, because I sit, I, I, I sit there and read that and think, oh my goodness, can you believe it that we get to do that? You and I get to be a part of the works of the one who sent Jesus here, of God himself. We get to be a part of the works of God. And this is why I, you've, if, if Christianity of following Jesus is boring to you, then something is desperately wrong. Because one thing about following Jesus that it will never be is boring. Because God moves you to take steps of faith. God moves, God speaks to you. God answers prayer. He interacts with you. And, and, and Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, look, look, look. 
we must work the works of him who sent me while it is still day. Now, this is an example. This is a, a picture that, hey, it's time to work. It's daytime. But look what he says. Night is coming when no one can work. Jesus gives this foreshadowing of a day that, that time will end. The work, there's no longer time to work. And this is why I've pleaded with my wife that when at my funeral service, we've got to play this song that's in the 70s, written in the 70s, I Wish We'd All Been Ready. Have you ever heard that song? I love that song. It's going to be sung at my funeral because uh, it's my prayer that the world is ready for Jesus because night is coming when we can't work anymore. This is why as a church, it moves me as a pastor that, oh my goodness, we will be a church that is focused and that is busy about the works of God in the world. That's who we must be and what we must do. Jesus, verse 5 says, as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Point number one today, and I want us to grab a hold of this. If you have your notes, grab a hold of it. I want you to see that my life is a real-time display of God at work. And this is who we are as Christians. That, that, that our lives, are that, that our story, your story of how God has moved in your life, how God has answered your prayer, how God has brought you through tragedy, how God has lifted your head when you were down, how God has provided for you when you didn't know where you were going to have a job or not. Your story matters. And your story has a purpose. And I hear people say, oh, Chris, I just don't have a good testimony. I don't, my testimony's not very good. And we hear we spotlight these guys that, man, I killed like 19 people and beat up my dog, and, and, and now Jesus changed me. And we go, oh, I didn't kill anybody, and I've never kicked my dog. Um, so I just don't have a good story. But that's not true. Anytime God answered one of your prayers, anytime God lift you, lifted your head, Anytime the Spirit of God helped you, that story is something that he uses to point the world, point your friends, point your neighbors to the light of the world. And this is how this is displayed. Now look at this. Um, point number two, I want to give it to you because this text is long and I, wanna, I don't want us to miss it. But point number two is, is this. My personal experience of a God at work has significant influence. And I want you to see that, 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 that when God is at work in your life, it has influence. And this is what's taking place in John 9. Look at verse 8. Um, and we can't, well, let's look back at verse, uh, verse 7. Um, or 6. Go back to 6. Sorry, I'm excited. Um, having said these things, Jesus looked at this man. This blind guy's there. He looks at this man. He spits on the ground. I mean, it, I tried to do this this week. I was going to do it in front of you. It took me too long, and I needed water to drink, so it just wouldn't work. Okay. I asked Robin, should I do that? That would be a cool illustration. Wouldn't it? And she's like, no, don't do that. <laughs> Jesus already did it, so just let him do it. Because then I'd come up after and go, how you doing? Good to see you. you. No, thanks. I'm not going to shake your hand. It's kind of gross. Jesus is like, oh, I got an idea. This guy, oh, guys. Come here. The works of God are going to be displayed in him. Give me some dirt. <laughs> what are you doing, Jesus? You're so weird. 
But he does that. He spits on the ground. Spits on, makes saliva and makes this dirt. Anoints, puts the mud on the guy's eyes. And they're going, Jesus, is kind of gross, man. Okay, whatever. And the guy's blind. He, uh, he's waiting. And then Jesus says, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Siloam. He washed. He came back seeing. Do you get that? That's crazy. This guy was born blind. He came back seeing. He's never seen before. He's, he's been blind his whole life. Can you imagine the people that's like, oh, I didn't think you really looked like that. You're, you know, when you get a picture, when you hear someone's voice, and you, you get a picture in their mind what they look like, you got a big nose. I, I can imagine him saying to all his friends, and, wow, hey, you're not bad looking. I thought you were uglier than that. You know, I don't know. But look at, look at this. Look at verse 8. His personal experience had this influence because, verse 8, the neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? And some of them said, oh, it's he, that's him. Others said, no, but he's like him. He kept saying, hey, I'm him. This is me. This happened to me. So they said to him, then, then how were your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. And they said, where is he? He goes, I don't know. I've never seen him. I don't know. He didn't know what Jesus looked like. He was blind when Jesus said go. Jesus wasn't there. He'd be, I don't know what he looks like. But it was Jesus. And, and I want you to catch the fact that it was his neighbors. It was those that had seen him that were like, hey, wait a minute. I, I, uh, his fellow beggars, co-workers, right, seen him. Sometimes when we think about witnessing to somebody, we, we think, man, when I'm on the airplane, man, I'm going to have the courage to talk to this dude that I don't know. I'm going to do that. that. There's nothing wrong with that. And if the Lord leads, you, you should always be looking for ways to witness to people. Or, or when I go to that restaurant, that waitress that doesn't know me uh, across the state, I'm going to be a witness. I'm going to leave a track or whatever. That's fine. But I don't want us to miss the fact that we are called to witness to those that know us the most most. The people we work with, our neighbors. And so often, we, this is why our mission strategy is not just everywhere and not just there, but it's also here. Keith told me today, he interacts with all these Keith Davis, I'll be honest with you, we are so blessed to have Keith Davis as one of the lead pastors of our church and overseeing our missions because he is a rock star missions pastor. And, and I would put what Keith Davis does with anybody all over the country. And we hang out with pastor nerds. I hang out with them. I'm one of them. And, and, and I'll tell you, Keith does incredible things. He told me this week that it's amazing how many missions ministries that he encounters that go, go around the world to do cool things but don't do anything where they live. And we can't do that. We can't miss that we're called here. And this is what's going on with this guy. He goes to his friends, his, and, and he's like, look what happened to me. And they're like, that's not you. He goes, no, no, it's me. This change, I mean, Jesus, I, change, touch me. I can see now. 
Now the Pharisees, these religious leaders, they're flipping out about this. Look at verse 13. They brought, the, they brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been born blind. Now it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. And I love that Jesus did this. He picks a fight here, and I love it. Verse 15, so the Pharisees again asked him how he had received sight. And they said, and he said to them, they, he put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, nor does, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And this is the, this is the compelling case and evidence for who Jesus is. And this is why, as a thinking person, if you are one of these that are questioning, is Jesus really God? Is he really the Savior? Evaluate the evidence. Because you, it's like what C.S. Lewis so adequately said and incredibly articulated, that Jesus is either a liar, he's a lunatic, or he's Lord. He, he can't be a good teacher because he said he was God. And so people that say, oh, Jesus is a good teacher, but he's not God. Well, then he's not a good teacher because he said he was God. And so this is one of those moments the, the, the Pharisees were like, well, his life, you, how can you do that unless you're from God? And there was division among them, verse 16 says. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? And this guy said, this, this dude's a prophet. This guy's from God. And, and, and look at verse 18. The Jews did not believe that he had been born blind and received his sight. They were like, I don't believe you. Get out of here. And get out of here. I don't believe you. You're making all this up. So they call for his parents. His mom and dad come. And, and this is a big deal to be called before the Pharisees. This is like going to the principal's office on steroids. I mean, this is scary stuff. And verse 20, his parents said, look, we know that he's our son. We know that he was born blind, but how he sees, we don't know. Nor do we know who opened his eyes. We weren't there. And he's of age, ask him. They're they're scared to death with these Pharisees. They're like, man, he's on his own. (laughs) I mean, thanks, mom. (laughs) Hey, sorry, you're on your own, dude. Good luck with that. And verse 24. For the second time, they called the man who had been blind. And they said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, whether he's a sinner, I do not know. One thing that I do know, though I was blind, now I see. This guy's like, this is my story. And and I want you to see the fact that your story, though you may not have been physically blind, if you have come to understand your spiritual blindness and you've come to see that Jesus is God and that he's your Savior and the Lord moves in you and leads you and guides you and answers your prayer and speaks to you and helps you, your story has influence. You see, you see this incredible picture of of a man that was physically blind. And you know what? If you're physically blind, you don't have to to convince a physically blind person that they can't see. They admit, hey, I I can't see. I don't know what you look like. 
And, but can I tell you something about spiritual blindness? The danger of spiritual blindness is that these Pharisees, they thought they could see, but they were blind. And this is, my, this is, this is why you, we've got to share the story of God in our own life, the story of God moving in our lives with those that we know. When God answers a prayer that you're praying, it's natural for you to share it. It's natural for you to communicate it. And, and that's what this guy said, verse 25, 26. They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered them, I've, I've told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? This guy's smart aleck. I like this guy. I, I want to hang out with him in heaven because I want to hear this in, from his own lips. Then he says, do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. And this guy, I mean, this is a big deal to get kicked out of the temple, okay? This is not, this is one of those times that you, he would have been earthly wise to go, oh, man, I'll just do what you say. But he couldn't, because he's like, look, my, this has happened to me. It's like my atheist friend that I love deeply, and he tells me, Chris, you're, 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 you're dumb for believing in Jesus. It doesn't make intellectual sense, according to him. And I'm like, I can't, God has moved in my life. Can't deny it, how Jesus answers prayer and moves in me and helps me, strengthens me. And this man answered, why, this is an amazing thing. Verse 30. You do not know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And they answered him, you were born in utter sin, and you would teach us? They questioned him. Now, the answer to that question is, I know. Yeah, I was. So were you. That is the most, that's the only truth that these Pharisees said. But the problem was, they didn't say, they should have said, we were born into utter sin. See, this is the difference between a believer and a non-believer. A non-believer has this idea that, hey, you know what? I can be good enough to get to heaven on my own. A non-believer says, no, I'm, I'm okay by myself. But a believer in Christ says, no, Lord, I'm a sinner. Would you forgive me? Would you help me? Would you help me put my life back together? And what we are as a group of people, as a church, are not people that we have to get all dressed up and, hey, brother, how you doing? Put on a fake a facade of spirituality. We're just people that are grateful because God is helping us. God is rescuing us. God is restoring us. And it's messy. And it's difficult at times. And, it's, and we question, Lord, I don't get it at times. I don't understand at times. But this guy was like, look, 
I believe him. He's changed my life. And he goes on. Look at verse 34. Or 35. Jesus heard that they had cast him out of the temple. And I love this. Having found him. I love it. That Jesus went looking for him. Golly, can I tell you? That's what happened to me. Jesus found me. And if you know Christ as your Savior, he found you too. Jesus went looking for you. And the reason we're sitting here today is that Jesus found us. And if you're here today wondering about, man, God, are you real? It's not your idea to come and turn your face to the Lord. The Lord is seeking you. And for me, that just makes me grateful and just moves me to say, Lord, I'll do whatever you say. I want to be right in the middle of your works. I love it that Jesus found him. And he says to him, do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answered, who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? And Jesus says, said to him, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. And Jesus changed his life. Now, it's the last point. I want you to, we, we've got to be stronger witnesses. And we've got to, we've got to be able to, to, to share our story. And I want you to understand the, the significance of your story. The fact that you can, you, and I pray that every one of you can articulate the moment, hey, look, Jesus found me. He saved me. I was eight years old when I came to Christ. To be honest, I don't remember all the details of that. I remember just struggling, and I remember going to my mom and going upstairs, and my mom led me to Christ. I wasn't that bad of a kid as, eighth, as an eight-year-old, except throwing the eggs out of the refrigerator. And, and when I was five, my, my pastor called me up on stage, and I was a little kid on the front row drawing, and picks me up in his arms, and he said, Chris, do you love Jesus? And I said, no, I think he's dumb. He's like, okay, you go and sit down. I mean, <laughs> I mean, my mom was like, I'm going to beat that boy. Dude. I mean, he's going to come to know Jesus. You know, that was, a, that was a great, I don't remember it, but I, I was a kid that needed Christ. But, but, but I do want you to know, though I can't articulate this, this incredible life difference from an eight-year-old boy from one day to another. Jesus saved me, and he has worked in my life. I've watched him move. I've seen him do things that I just, that can't be explained by man. I've seen him give me hope when I didn't know where to turn. I've I've watched him use many of you. I mean, I felt him sitting next to you guys, Billy and Christy. Felt him. I felt the hope that I've we we've 
watched him move. And I'll tell you something, guys. We gotta we gotta articulate this. We gotta be able to talk about what what Jesus has done. So this third point's real practical, but I want you to see it. We've got to organize and boldly articulate how God has worked and is working in my life. And I want to challenge you to learn, to, to begin even today at the dinner table, at lunch with your family. If you're going to lunch with your family, one of the best things you can do with your kids is sit down and go, how has God worked? How's he worked in us? What have we seen him do? And and if it's difficult to find something to do, then next week sign up for one of those mission trips. Go as a family. Because you'll watch God provide. You'll watch God lead. You'll see the Lord move. Uh, or start serving at the mission. You'll see God's move and lead. and Start helping in your Bible study class, your Bible study group. Get off the fence and just start walking with the Lord. Start praying. God, I want to pray today. How would you lead me? And you know what you'll find? You'll find that when your neighbor goes, well, what happened to you? Oh, well, golly. God answered my prayer. God did this. God spoke to me. God's word. Oh, you, yeah, I got to tell you what I learned today. Three, three quick questions I want you to write down. You could think about what was your life before you met Christ. Describe my life before I met Christ. That's a good way to start. Maybe you can see a difference that Jesus has made because you were older. Um, articulate how you came to know Christ. That's another thing you could do. Sit down and write down, how, how did I come to know Christ? And this is the big thing. Communicate the difference Christ is making. You see, it's the most natural thing for me to just say, to communicate what God's doing. We complicate witnessing by trying to develop these plastic sales pitches for Jesus. And I'm not saying you shouldn't have a strategy of you need to be able to articulate the tenets of the gospel. That you're a sinner. You can't get to heaven on your own. That, that Romans, Romans Road, the Romans Road, just Google the Romans Road. That'll get you there. That's the tenets of the gospel. But what impacts people is your real story. This is why Facebook is popular. But we fake, fake it out on Facebook too, don't we? Sometimes. Your pain has a purpose. Let's be stronger witnesses. If you don't know Jesus, oh, can I just plead with you? Come to know the Savior that so radically has changed, is changing us, is putting us back together like those little men that you put together while I was preaching because it's more interesting probably, but I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. Let's follow Jesus. If you're on the fence, our, our, we're going to have an invitation, and I want you to stand right where you are. If you're on the fence.